Chapter 13, verses 1 through 11 of Catina Aria, Commentary in the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, Volume 1, Part 2, Gospel of St. John by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Theophylact, our Lord being about to depart out of this life, shows his great care for his disciples. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Bede, the Jews had many feasts, but the principal one was the Passover, and therefore it is particularly said, before the feast of the Passover. Augustine, Pascha is not a Greek word, as some think, but Hebrew, though there is some remarkable agreement of the two languages in it. The Greek word to suffer being Paschin. Pascha has been thought to mean passion, as derived from the word above. But in Hebrew, Pascha is a passing over, the feast deriving its name from the passing of the people of God over the Red Sea into Egypt. All was now to take place in reality, of which the Passover was the type. Christ was led as a lamb to the slaughter, whose blood sprinkled upon our doorposts, i.e. whose sign of the cross, marked on our foreheads, delivers us from the dominion of this world, as from Egyptian bondage. And we perform a most wholesome journey or Passover, when we pass over from the devil to Christ, from this unstable world to his sure kingdom. In this way, the evangelist seems to interpret the word. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, when he should pass over out of this world unto the Father, this is the Pascha, this the passing over. Chrysostom, he did not know then for the first time he had known long before. By his departure he means his death. Being so near, leaving his disciples, he shows the more love for them, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end, i.e., he left nothing undone, which one who greatly loved should do. He reserved this for the last, that their love might be increased by it, and to prepare them by such consolation for the trials that were coming. His own he calls them in the sense of intimacy. The word was used in another sense in the beginning of the gospel. His own received him not. It follows which were in the world. For those were dead who were his own, such as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were not in the world. These then, his own which were in the world, he loved all along and at the last manifested his love in completeness. 
he loved them unto the end. Augustine, he loved them unto the end, i.e., that they themselves too might pass out of this world. By love unto him their head. For what is unto the end but unto Christ? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. But these words may be understood after a human sort to mean that Christ loved his own up till his death. But God forbid that he should end his love by death, who is not ended by death, except, indeed, we understand it thus. He loved his own unto death, i.e., his love for them led him to death. And supper having been made, i.e., having been got ready, and laid on the table before them, not having been consumed and finished, for it was during supper that he arose and washed his disciples' feet, as after this he sat at table again and gave the sup to the traitor. What follows, the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, refers to a secret suggestion, not made to the ear, but to the mind, the suggestions of the devil being part of our own thoughts. Judas then had already conceived through diabolical instigation, the intention of betraying his master. Chrysostom. The evangelist inserts this as if in astonishment, our Lord being about to wash the feet of the very person who had resolved to betray him. It shows the great wickedness, too, of the traitor, that even the partaking of the same table, which is a check to the worst of men, did not stop him. Augustine. The evangelist, being about to relate so great an instance of our Lord's humility, reminds us first of his lofty nature, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, not excepting the traitor. Gregory, he knew that he had even his persecutors in his hand, that he might convert them from malice to love of him. Origen, the Father hath given all things into his hands, i.e., into his power, for his hands hold all things, or to him for his work. My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Chrysostom had given all things into his hand. What is given him is the salvation of the believers. Think not of this giving up in a human way. It signifies his honor for and agreement with the father. For as the father hath given up all things to him, so hath he given up all things to the Father. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. Augustine, knowing too that he was come from God and went to God, not that he left God when he came, or will leave us when he returns. Theophylact, the Father having given up all things into his hands, i.e., having given up to him the salvation of the faithful, he deemed it right to show them all things that pertain to their salvation, and give them a lesson in humility by washing his disciples' feet. Though knowing that he was from God and went to God, he thought it in no way took from his glory to wash his disciples' feet, thus proving that he did not usurp his greatness. For usurpers do not condescend for fear of losing what they have irregularly got. Augustine since the Father had given all things into his hands, he washed not his disciples' hands indeed, but their feet. 
and since he knew that he came from God and went to God, he performed the work not of God and Lord, but of a man and servant. Chrysostom. It was a thing worthy of him who came from God and went to God to trample upon all pride. He riseth up from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. See what humility he shows, not only in washing their feet, but in other things. For it was not before, but after they had sat down, that he rose. And he not only washed them, but laid aside his garments, and girded himself with a towel, and filled a basin. He did not order others to do all this, but did it himself, teaching us that we should be willing and ready to do such things. Origin. Mystically, dinner is the first meal taken early in the spiritual day and adapted to those who have just entered upon this day. Supper is the last meal and is set before those who are further advanced. Accordingly, to another sense, dinner is the understanding of the Old Testament, the supper the understanding, the mysteries hid in the new. Yet even they who sup with Jesus, who partake of the final meal, need a certain washing, not indeed of the top parts of their body, i.e. the soul, but its lower parts and extremities, which cleave necessarily to earth. It is, and began to wash, for he did not finish his washing till afterwards. The feet of the apostles were defiled now. All of ye shall be offended because of me this night but afterwards he cleansed them, so that they needed no more cleansing. Augustine, he laid aside his garments. Then, being in the form of God, he emptied himself. He girded himself with a towel, took upon him the form of a servant. He poured water into a basin, out of which he washed his disciples' feet. He shed his blood on the earth, with which he washed away the filth of their sins. He wiped them with the towel wherewith he was girded, and the flesh wherewith he was clothed. He established the steps of the evangelists. He laid aside his garments to gird himself with the towel, that he might take upon him the form of a servant. He emptied himself, not laying aside, indeed, what he had, but assuming what he had not. Before he was crucified, he was stripped of his garments, and, when dead, was wound up in linen clothes. The whole of his passion is our cleansing. Verses 6 through 11. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. Origin. As a physician 
who has many sick under his care, begins with those who want his attention most. So Christ, in washing his disciples' feet, begins with the most unclean, and so comes at last to Peter, who needed the washing less than any. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. Peter resisted being washed, perhaps because his feet were nearly clean. And Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Augustine, what is the meaning of thou and my feet? It is better to think than speak of this, lest one should fail in explaining adequately what might have been rightly conceived. Chrysostom, though Peter was the first of the apostles, yet it is possible that the traitor petulantly placed himself above him and that this may be the reason why our Lord first began to wash, and then cometh to Peter. Theophylact, it is plain that our Lord did not wash Peter first, but none other of the disciples would have attempted to be washed before him. Chrysostom, someone will ask why none of them prevented him except Peter, this being a sign not of want of love, but of reverence. The reason seems to be that he washed the traitor first, and came next to Peter, and that the other disciples were checked by the reply to Peter. Any of the rest would have said what Peter did had his turn come first. Origin, or thus, all the rest put out their feet, certain that so great a one would not want to wash them without reason. But Peter, looking only to the thing itself and seeing nothing beyond it, refused out of reverence to let his feet be washed. He often appears in Scripture as hasty in putting forth his own ideas of what is right and expedient. Augustine, or thus, we must not suppose that Peter was afraid and refused when the others had willingly and gladly submitted to the washing. Our Lord did not go through the others first, and to the first of the apostles afterwards. For who is ignorant that the most blessed Peter was the first of all the apostles, but began with him, and Peter being the first to whom he came, was afraid, as indeed any of the others would have been. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Chrysostom, i.e., how useful a lesson of humility it teaches thee, and how directly this virtue leads to God. Origin, or our Lord insinuates that this is a mystery. By washing and wiping, he made beautiful the feet of those who were to preach glad tidings, and to walk on that way of which he tells them, I am the way. Jesus laid aside his garments that he might make their clean feet still cleaner, or that he might receive the uncleanliness of their feet unto his own body, by the towel with which alone he was girded. For he hath borne our griefs. Observe, too, he chose for washing his disciples' feet the very time that the devil had put it into the heart of Judas to betray him, and the dispensation for mankind was about to take place. Before this the time was not come for washing their feet, and who would have washed their feet in the interval between this and the Passion? During the Passion, there was no other Jesus to do it. And after it, the Holy Ghost came upon them, 
by which time they should already have had their feet washed. This mystery our Lord says to Peter, is too great for thee to understand now, but thou shalt know it hereafter, when thou art enlightened. Augustine, he did not refuse, because our Lord's act was above his understanding, but he could not bear to see him bending at his feet. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt not wash my feet for ever, i.e., I will never suffer it. Not for ever is the same as never. Origin. This is an instance that a man may say a thing with a good intention, and yet ignorantly to his hurt. Peter, ignorant of our Lord's deep meaning, at first, as if in doubt, says mildly, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And then, thou shalt never wash my feet, which was in reality to cut himself off from having a part with Jesus. Whence he not only blames our Lord for washing the disciples' feet, but also his fellow disciples for giving their feet to be washed. As Peter then did not see his own good, our Lord did not allow his wish to be fulfilled. Jesus answered and said unto him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Augustine, If I wash thee not, he says, though it was only his feet that I was going to wash, just as we say, thou treadest on me, though it is only our foot that is trodden on. Origen, let those who refuse to allegorize these and like passages say how it is probable that he who out of reverence for Jesus said, Thou shalt never wash my feet, would have had no part with the Son of God, as if not having his feet washed was a deadly wickedness. Wherefore, it is our feet, i.e., the affections of our mind, that are to be given up to Jesus to be washed, that our feet may be beautiful, especially if we emulate higher gifts, and wish to be numbered with those who preach glad tidings. Chrysostom. He does not say on what account he performs this act of washing, but only threatens him. For Peter was not persuaded by the first answer, Thou shalt know hereafter. He did not say, Teach me then, that I may submit. But when he was threatened with separation from Christ, then he submitted. Origen. This saying we may use against those who make hasty and indiscreet resolutions, by showing them that if they adhere to these, they will have no part with Jesus. We disengage them from such resolves, even though they may have bound themselves by an oath. Augustine. But he, agitated by fear and love, treaded more the being denied Christ than seeing him at his feet. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Origen. Jesus was unwilling to wash hands, and despised what was said of him in this respect. Thy disciples wash not their hands when they eat bread, and he did not wash the head to be submerged, in which was apparent the image and glory of the Father. It was enough for him that the feet were given him to wash. Jesus answered and said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Augustine, clean all except the feet. The whole of a man is washed in baptism, 
not accepting his feet, but living in the world afterwards. We tread upon the earth. Those human affections, then, without which we cannot live in this world, are, as it were, our feet, which connect us with human things, so that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he who washed the disciples' feet forgives us our sins, even down to our feet, wherewith we hold our converse with earth. Origin. It was impossible that the lowest parts and extremities of a soul should escape defilement, even in one perfect as far as man can be, and many even after baptism are covered up to their head with the dust of wickedness. But the real disciples of Christ only need washing for their feet. Augustine. From what is here said, we understand that Peter was already baptized. Indeed, that he baptized by his disciples shows that his disciples must have been baptized, either with John's baptism or, which is more probable, Christ's. He baptized by means of baptized servants, for he did not refuse the ministry of baptizing, who had the humility to wash feet. Augustine. And ye are clean, but not all. What this means the evangelist immediately explains. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Origin. Ye are clean refers to the eleven, but not all to Judas. He was unclean first because he cared not for the poor, but was a thief. Secondly, because the devil had put it into his heart to betray Christ. Christ washes their feet after they are clean, showing that grace goes beyond necessity according to the text. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Augustine. Or the disciples, when they had only to have their feet washed, because while man lives in this world, he contracts himself with earth by means of his human affections, which are, as it were, his feet. Chrysostom. Or thus, when he calls them clean, you must not suppose that they were delivered from sin before the victim was offered. He means cleanness in respect of knowledge, for they were now delivered from Jewish error. End of chapter 13, verses 1 through 11.